You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, a local body of believers in Quarryville, PA. To learn more about Oak Hill, visit oakhillfellowship.com. Now grab a Bible and a notebook and prepare to be spiritually enriched by God's Word. What a privilege to be with you all this last few days um, uh, here at Oak Hill uh, Fellowship and uh, certainly with uh, Ben and Katie, but with all who participated. But it's of equal privilege to be with you this morning and to be able to uh, preach the Word of God to you or speak the Word of God to you. And um, so we're going to be in 2 Kings uh, chapter 19 this morning. We're going to be talking about a guy with a funny name, Hezekiah. And um, as you make your way there, I um, just want to start with uh, to, to maybe build a little bit of background. When I was a boy, um, I played soccer three seasons a year from the time I was in first grade to the time I was in eighth grade. And that was, if you were looking for me and I wasn't in class, which sometimes I wasn't, I should be, um, and I wasn't in class, you would probably find me on the soccer field. And my classmates were my soccer teammates. And we were together hour upon hour upon hour every week. And we became very tight, like more than 11 of us, right? It takes 11 to field a team, uh, probably 13 or 14 of us. We became very tight friends. And yes, we rubbed each other the wrong way at times. At times, we would, we would fight not so much, or at least not often physically. Um, but, but we uh, knew each other well. And it takes that kind of time to build relationship. As a matter of fact, I wrote this, it takes a time and emotion and intent and commitment to build a solid, solid relationship. And this morning, I want to encourage you with those items and ask you this question. So how's your relationship with God these days? How's it going with God? When you um, come to him in prayer, is it this sweet, safe, place where you're very familiar with and you're comfortable even when you have something to confess in my life it's like every time I pray even if you have something to confess is it a place of peace and safety where you feel drawn into a relationship with the Lord or is it a place where you come and it's uncomfortable it's unfamiliar you're afraid you're going to be condemned there because if the second is how you feel, then you're not practicing growing in a depth of relationship with God. Now, let me encourage you. Something that I think is really important in our Christian walk, and you have a guest speaker come into church, and it's like, what does he know about us? And Why is he talking to us about that stuff? And um, that, that my heart for us is that wherever you're at today, wherever you're at today is the place you begin to move forward from. So if you're like, man, I am walking close with Jesus. My relationship with him has never been better. Praise God. You need to move forward from that. But if you're like, I'm struggling. I've been struggling to spend time with the Lord. I'm, my Bible reading is intermittent. And, and my prayer life is, is um, um, brief. Let's move forward in the Lord this morning. Let's just ask God to encourage and journey with us and help us to move forward into the depths of our relationship with him, okay? So, um, 
Hezekiah in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 19 models some beautiful things for us as it pertains to prayer and worship in the midst of great difficulty. And so we're going to get there in just a minute. And um, I just want to encourage you here at Oak Hill. Um, I don't know all of you. I only know a certain number of you. But I, I can tell you that Rana and I already love this church. We already love you as a people. We already have a good taste for who you are. And we think um, God is using your pastor and your elders and your pastoral family to, to um, lead you in really good things here. Not simply prayer, not only prayer, but certainly prayer. And so uh, uh, join me now in 2 Kings chapter 19. And here's a part of what I want to encourage you with. And it's this. The more deeply you know the Father, more, uh, the more often you'll be found in prayer. The more deeply you know the Father, the more often you will be found in prayer. And then we can flip that statement. And you can say the more often you're found in prayer, the more deeply you'll know the Father. You get the connection? You get the connection? It's, it's, it's prayer, which is simply conversation, interacting with the Father. And, and when, we, when you do that, He loves it. You don't ever have to ask God, you got time for me? He always loves when you come to him in prayer. And Hezekiah, again, is going to model this for us. Before we jump into the passage, um, Hezekiah began to uh, be king of, so you have the northern kingdom, remember, Israel, and you have the southern kingdom, Judah, and in Judah is Jerusalem. And Hezekiah became the king in Jerusalem when he was 25 years old. He reigned for 29 years. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 3, it says that he was a good king. He wasn't perfect, but it says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And we know in Judah there were more good kings than in Israel, but we know good kings were kind of few and far between. And so Hezekiah is acclaimed as a good king, someone who did right in the eyes of the Lord. Was he perfect? No. We could put, we could put our finger on some of the imperfect places of Hezekiah this morning. We're not going to do that. What we want to do is see this, this episode in chapter 19 that he really models a beauty for us. In chapter 19 and before, actually before, uh, uh, an Assyrian king named Sennacherib has already conquered Israel, the northern kingdom. And he has begun to conquer the cities in the southern kingdom. And he is now... Um, starting to press in on Jerusalem. And Hezekiah, um, this, is, this was a, a negative thing, but he stripped all the gold out of the temple and all that was valuable and sent it to Sennacherib to try to appease him. Uh, but it didn't. Evil is never satisfied. It's never satisfied till it's consumed us, till it's consumed you, till it's consumed me, and in this case, till it's consumed Jerusalem and Sennacherib. So now Sennacherib sends a message to Hezekiah through his Rabshakeh. He was a bad guy, but I love that name. Like, hun, if we had another boy, Rabshakeh. For those of you who are old, like boom shakalaka laka boom shaka, it would just would have been amazing. He sends this message to Hezekiah through the Rabshakeh, and he basically says, I'm coming to take you, but let me say, let me read now, 
um, before our passage. We're going to begin in verse 14, but I want to read beginning in verse 10. It says this, the Rabshakeh is bringing the message <coughs> of Sennacherib to Hezekiah. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction, and you shall be delivered. Have the gods, small g, of the nations delivered, uh, delivered them, the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan and Haran and Rezif and uh, some other names I just really can't pronounce. Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvim, Sepharvim, the king of Hena, the king of Iva. What he's effectively saying is their gods, little g, didn't save them. Your God, big G, is not going to save you. And so here's what happened. The Rabshakeh brings this letter to Hezekiah. And these words are so important to me. And the title of the message is, And I Prayed. But listen, it says, Hezekiah received from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed. Hezekiah has just been threatened with his very existence and the existence of Jerusalem. And, and he takes... And he takes that letter and he takes in, I heard a pastor say once about this passage, he takes the letter into the house of the Lord, sets it before the Lord, and he says, Lord, I'm sorry, but I opened your mail. This is for you. <laughs> and Hezekiah, I just think that's so right. Hezekiah lays it down. And in this situation, many or most people would say, I've got nowhere to run. I've got nowhere to run. They have surrounded the city. But in Hezekiah's life, he's like, I know where to run. I know where to run. And I run into the house of the Lord. And he goes into the house of the Lord and spreads that letter before the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thing? That Hezekiah knew where to run. And he took the deepest, darkest concern of his life. And he just laid it before the Lord. He's like, God, I can't deal with this. Everything's too big for me, but this is certainly too big for me. And I need you, Lord. I need you to deal with this. He ran to the house of the Lord. I heard a story once about uh, two African brothers, Christians, who, who would, um, who would in the mornings, they would walk into their own grassy area and pray. And they did that as such a habit that they began to wear a trail uh, through the grass area. And so it got to where if one of the brothers wasn't going to pray, the grass began to grow and the other brother would say, brother, the grass is growing on your path. And Hezekiah was not having any grass growing on his path. He knew where to run. He knew where to go. And I love this, that he ran Right to the Lord. Where do you run? 
when difficulty arrives to your doorstep? Where do you run when life is good? Where is it that you go to when, when life is the best or the worst? They should be consistent in the same. And are you running to the Lord? Are you taking those things that God lays in front of you or allows to be laid in front of you? And are you taking them to the Lord? I told the folks this weekend, or at least the men, I wear this bracelet on my wrist. And in Romanian, it says, prima data rogate, which means first pray. And in English, it means it just says pray first. And originally, I used to wear it to where if I held it up to this brother, he could read it. So it was facing him, and then God said, you don't need your brother to read. You need to be reading that. Turn it over so you can read it. And it is this constant reminder to me to pray first no matter what. And I need that. I need that. I love just this concept of entrusting the Lord to the Lord all that's in front of us. I love First uh, Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties upon him. Why? Why? How come? Why? Because he cares for you. Who can care for you better than God Almighty? Who can care for you, you more than Jesus Christ? Who can care for you more than the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life and the inspiration of the Word of God speaking to you? Who can care for you greater than God working through His people in your life? But you have to be willing to take the letter, the trouble, even the celebration, and lay it before the Lord and entrust it to Him. And that's a struggle at times. Nowhere to run into his presence. Here's the second, verse 15. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel. Now notice what Hezekiah prays for. O Lord, the, uh, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Hezekiah is, is just starting to say, look, Lord, I'm offended for you. And the very first thing Hezekiah does isn't pray. He's like the church in Acts chapter 4. He doesn't pray for protection. He doesn't pray for deliverance. He doesn't pray for provision. He doesn't pray for escape. He worships. He worships the Lord. In the midst, in the midst of all that's going on, Hezekiah chooses to first worship the Lord. I tell people as a former pilot, look, if you're flying an airplane, your engine's on fire, God's pretty good with you going like, God, the engine's on fire, I need your help. Right? And all the passengers are pretty happy about that prayer. But, most of the time, the engine's not on fire. Most of the time, your house isn't on fire. Most of the time, things aren't exploding. Almost always, almost always, the very first thing we need. And Hezekiah's house is on fire. And yet still, he goes and lays the letter before the Lord, and he worships. And I believe that's what God calls us to do. Because worship is absolutely exalting to God and purifying for us. We have no clarity in our life if we don't worship regularly. I know that's a big statement. But we have no true clarity in our life 
if we do not worship regularly because it's only God that brings clarity to us. He's the only one that helps us to see really straight because he helps us to see when we worship through his eyes, helps us to see his character and his power and his beauty and, and helps us to trust him more deeply. And without that clarity, even if we can't see the next step in front of us, we cannot get through life in a way that honors him and therefore blesses us. Nowhere to run. Remember why you came. He is worthy. He is worthy. A relationship can't be just hit and run. It can't just be ask and run. We like to say in the ministry I'm involved with, um, when you ask, when you seek God's hand before you seek his face, you miss his face. When you seek God's face before you seek his hand, you have his face and he will extend his hand. See, we must worship first. It brings clarity to our lives. O oh Lord, the God of Israel. Beauty here as Hezekiah identifies two names of God, Lord, all caps. And you know when he does that, when the Old Testament does that, it means Yahweh, the most sacred name of God. Uh, here God is Elohim, which means God all-powerful. And so, so as Hezekiah is worshiping, he is identifying God's character. He's identifying where God dwells above all else, enthroned above the cherubim. He, he says, you, O God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, or excuse me, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. God is over all here, and he made the expanse of the sky, and he dwells above all else. What a high praise that Hezekiah gives to God. Honestly, we ought to be, as we enter into worship, there ought to be times where God, as you worship him, just takes your breath away. I remember both of my daughter's weddings, and um, I was so nervous about walking them down the aisle. And the thing that took my nerves away but took my breath away for both of them, I can remember, I started crying as soon as I saw them both on their wedding days. They were gorgeous. And as they came out dressed and arrayed in their wedding gowns and all their beauty, all their natural beauty and then all the makeup stuff they put all over you too. <laughs> I was just awestruck. It took my breath. And I can tell you, and you can tell me stories about times in worshiping God where it's just taken our breath away, where he has just shown himself in such magnificence, you were just overwhelmed. I mean, there are times you don't even want to leave worship. It's like, he knows what I want to pray about. I just want to worship. Because he's worthy. Because he's worthy of our worship. He calls us to do that because he knows it's the very best thing for us. Whatever's on your mind, we're so busy early in the morning, right? We get up and we're so busy. Like for me, I'm busy. I have to put the coffee pot on, right? And, and, but if I start looking at my phone, if I start fussing with stuff in the day, worship often will go out the window or at least take second or third place. That's not the way it should be. 
Now, I know some of you are in morning person, people, so, so I'm not telling you to do your quiet time, but I am telling you to worship first thing in the morning because he is worthy of our very first thoughts. Yes, I know our very first thoughts are clouded, but when, when the clouds go away in your head when you wake up, he is worthy to tell him thank you, to tell him how awesome he is because he will lead and clarify your day. He is worthy of our worship. Here's the third. As soon as I flip my notes open and upside down. Enter into his humility and realize you are needy. And as we look at that, I'm going to repeat a couple of verses. Verse 16. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord... The kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us, please, from his hand. Enter his presence in humility. When we come into God's presence, we should be just full of humility, full of the humility of Christ in Philippians chapter 2, right? Have this mind in you which is yours in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but, but gave himself up, taking on the flesh of man. And, and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And we ought to imitate that humility. So when we come before God, we should be in this humble place of worship. God, you are worthy and of humility, God, I am needy. And come to him in a place of confession, realizing after we worship, his beauty, his holiness illuminates. We talked about this over the last few days. His, his holiness illuminates our sinfulness. But he's not pushing us away. It illuminates our sinfulness so that we will confess it. And so we see Hezekiah with, he's the king of Jerusalem. He's the king of Judah. But he comes to the king of kings humbly, offering himself before him, identifying God as the one who's in charge. And even saying to God, God, I honor your name, and these people do not honor your name. I'm offended for you. That's a righteous anger. I'm offended for you, God. And Hezekiah comes and throws himself before Jesus or before God. Mark 2, 16 and 17, I love this story because it takes some thought to get through it. It says, why does he, speaking of Jesus, eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now that story uh, Jesus spoke exactly right. He said, I came to call the righteous, not sinners. But are any righteous? The right answer to that is no. And so as he's speaking to the Pharisees, he was hoping that they would, knowing that they wouldn't recognize that they are unrighteous as well. You, pride blinds. Humility. Humility opens our eyes up to all that God is and all that he wants for us. And Hezekiah humbly comes before God and offers himself up before him. 
So my first solo cross-country, flying a little airplane, it was up in New Hampshire. I'm all by myself for the first time, flying away from my home airport. And I've plotted it all out, and I've been very careful. And as I'm starting to fly over northern New Hampshire, or central New Hampshire, I realize that some of the um, points that I marked to navigate by were clouded by millions and millions of trees. And I realized I was lost. And when you're lost, there are two things you can do. One, you can remain lost and, and maybe find your way, but maybe not. Two, you can confess that you're lost. And I confessed that I was lost. I talked to air traffic control, and we, we worked out where I was. And Hezekiah knows he's confessing. I need you, God. It takes an element of humility. Anybody here have issues with pride? Anybody? 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 Anybody here have issues with lying? Anybody? Yeah. Right, well, if you didn't raise your hand to the first one, I'm kind of thinking maybe the second one, your hand should have gone up. We all struggle with pride at one point or another. And it's hard to confess. It's hard to humble ourselves. But Hezekiah models this for us so beautifully where he goes to the Lord, he puts the letter before him, he, he worships, and now he humbles himself and confesses. Well, here's the third thing. In verse 19, I'm called down the heavenly. I love this. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth, listen, that the language, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Just reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we see Hezekiah is calling heaven down. He's like, God, your kingdom is above their kingdoms, and I want to see your kingdom show up here in Jerusalem ASAP. He's praying, but he's praying according to the will of God, that God's kingdom, that God's way will show up. And he's submitting his will. He's, he's still not really asking to be rescued. He's asking for God to accomplish his will by bringing his kingdom down. I love this picture of Hezekiah asking God to accomplish his will in him. Remember when Jesus came, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And we, we call this already but not yet, right? That the kingdom of God is here, present in us, in the Holy Spirit, in the Christ followers, in the Holy Spirit. But it's not fully complete. We're still kind of stuck with this a sinful flesh. But we want to be asking him, as Hezekiah did, to bring his kingdom down. He's calling heaven down. Did you ever think you could call heaven down? You can. You can. So now, O oh Lord, our God, save us. Please, from His hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that You, O oh Lord, are God alone. That Your kingdom is a kingdom that rules. That Your kingdom is a kingdom that's above all other kingdoms. That Your kingdom is a kingdom that saves Your people. And we should be praying like that, loved ones. We should be saying, God, God, make me a kingdom father. 
Make me a kingdom husband. Make me a kingdom dad. Make me a kingdom friend. God, what I will look like in heaven, I want to ask you to make me progressively more and more like that now. Bring your kingdom here. Now, we can pray that like we pray the Lord's Prayer. I work with the uh, Northern Arizona U University football team. And uh, I, I was, went to practice one day. A coach said, hey, Paul, come, uh, come pray with the players. They say the Lord's Prayer after every practice. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, so I'm like, um, our Father, like, our Father who art in heaven, help me in the name of the kingdom come. I mean, like, I, it was like, um, they were supersonic, our Father. And, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They got done in like three seconds. And I'm like, okay, let's do it again. And let's say it slower. And let's think about what we're saying. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, we can't just think it's out there. We have to realize we're asking heaven to come down in here, in your lives, in my life. That's what God is calling us to. Call down the heavenly. Your kingdom come, Lord, in every part of our lives. Just Can we just for one minute, quietly, would you just in your mind and heart, I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to be thinking about you. I'm going to be thinking about God and me. Would you just for one minute ask God what it means to bring his kingdom into your life? Just take a minute. Thank you, Lord. I've just found this to be such a precious prayer to ask God to do that in all the parts of my life that I can think of. And then I pray for my children. And then I pray for my grandchildren. And then I pray for grandchildren that aren't born yet. That God will bring his kingdom into their lives and not one will be lost. Call down the heavenly. Here's the final. I'll listen intently. So Hezekiah does all that. In verse 20, then it says, then Hezekiah the son of Amos sent to Hez excuse me, Isaiah the son of Amos uh, sent a messenger to Hezekiah saying, uh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord has spoken. Now it goes through this beautiful, beautiful word, but what I want to do is jump to verse 32. And then it says, therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Israel. He shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, I love this, uh, by the same way he shall return and he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians, and they tucked their tail between their legs and they went home. You see, God is God. And God can do whatever He wants. But something happened here that I really like to note. 
You see, Isaiah didn't go to Hezekiah himself. And Hezekiah, in his kingship, could have been insulted by that. Because Isaiah sent a messenger. But Hezekiah wasn't insulted by that. Hezekiah was humbled before the Lord. And when the messenger brought the message, he listened intently. What would have happened if he hadn't done that? What would have happened if he said, just go get Isaiah? I have no idea where Isaiah was or how far a journey that would have been. But he didn't. He listened intently. There are times in our lives we want to be prideful. We want to be, can I say it, hard-headed. We want to be stubborn. We want to not listen to this person or that person. A brother or sister in Christ comes to you. They've known Jesus for six months. You've known Jesus for 30 years. They've got nothing for you. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's never a one-way street. Listen intently when the voice of the Lord speaks. I love the Mount of Transfiguration. I love it. Remember, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up. Um, uh, uh, Moses and Elijah show up. Uh, Peter sticks his foot in his mouth. I love, love, love Peter. Hey, Lord, let me build a tent or, or an altar or a tabernacle for each of you all three. As soon as he says that, because he's not exalting Jesus above them, a cloud envelops over the mountain. And they are afraid, and a voice says, this is my beloved son. Remember what he said to him next? Listen to him. Look, loved ones, if you're not spending time listening to him, I'm not being mystical here. The Lord of God, the Lord of the universe, God Almighty, can speak however he chooses. He can speak to you audibly. I've got a buddy who says God spoke to him audibly. I don't doubt that. He can speak to you through his spirit. He can speak to you through his word. He can speak to you through a brother or sister. He can speak to you through a donkey. However he would choose to speak to you. But if you're not listening, he's got nothing to say. If you won't listen, he's not going to speak to you. And the less you listen to him, the less you're going to hear him. And the more you listen to him, I promise you, the more you're going to hear him. And so I love that Hezekiah humbled himself and listened intently. So I was flying a uh, Phoenix to Chicago flight one evening. It was dark out already. It was uh, the wintertime. We're in a Boeing 757. We have 190 passengers on board. I'm the first officer flying with a captain I fly with regularly. His name is Jeff. We get on the runway. Are they Kilaris? Our call sign's Cactus 9. Cactus 9, you're clear for takeoff. Uh, Jeff pushes the throttles up. I back him up behind the throttles, and off we go. We pass the 80-knot the 80 mark, and just before we get to the V1 mark, which is takeoff safety speed, which means you're committed to taking off, Tower says this, a Cactus 9, abort. And, and, and like all of a sudden, everything moves into slow motion. I mean, true story, I'm like, did he say Cactus 9 abort? Jeff is processing it, and then three things happen at once. Tower comes back and goes, Cactus 9 abort, there's an aircraft on the runway. I'm like, Jeff, we need to abort. Uh, Jeff is an, uh, aborting. And as he aborts, you can just feel the auto brake, maximum braking in this big airplane. We probably weigh somewhere over 200,000 pounds, just going. Good news, we survived. But if we had not heard tower, 
we may have hit that airplane that was illegally and properly crossing the runway in front of us. You see, we must listen. And more importantly than listening to air traffic control of the tower, we must listen to God. God wants our attention. He is speaking. Praise God for the modeling of Hezekiah. Even as he modeled the Lord's Prayer for us some thousand plus years before Jesus ever spoke it. That when he needed to run, he didn't have nowhere to run. He knew where to run. That he was willing to remember the reason he ran there was for the purpose first and foremost to worship. As he worshiped, he humbled himself before the Lord and did business with God. And when he did that then, he, he was able to move through the process of asking God to deal with the issue. And then God dealt with the issue. And he brought down the heavenly to him. And Hezekiah was engaged in the whole process because after he worshipped, after he humbled himself, after he called heaven down, he listened. Can we just admit, most of the time when we pray, we don't add any listening in. We want to be listening, loved ones. May God walk us through this entire process. Oh, by the way, it's found in Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer. Thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church. Stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Until then, remember that you are loved.